Our gospel lesson is from the book of Mark, so the fifth chapter, and we'll begin at the 21st verse. And when Jesus has crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little girl is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with and he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately The flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowds pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, and she fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion of people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talita kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Here ends the word. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we encounter this good word from the gospel of Mark and consider what it means for how we live our lives, you know, sometimes people think that life is like a game, but even games have an ecosystem like Legos. If you don't build a firm foundation, it will crumble. And then there are games that are just trying to make you crumble like Jenga, right? And then there are games like Minecraft that we're gathering resources like we do in everyday life and it never seems like we have enough time to get enough. And what we hear in life today in this text from the Gospel of John as one author will articulate it is is that sometimes life just feels like we are hanging on by a thread. And as we encounter Uh, this text in 
Mark chapter 5 today, we will find as we encounter them that there are three desperate people, all three in great need, all three, as author Peter Naffinger will put it, were hanging on by a thread. And of course, it's not a secure position to feel like that unless that thread, literally the the fringe, as Matthew and Luke's gospel will point out, the fringe of Jesus' garment, the fringe that represented uh, for the, the Jews the sign of the covenant that you're hanging on to is connected to Jesus. And then it will hold. And then it will hold. And so we encounter a theme holding on to that thread in the midst of life. A theme of being unclean. Right here in chapter 5. Immediately the text says at the beginning of the chapter that it shifts gears into a new location. If you read in the And heard in the beginning of our reading tonight that Jesus had come from the other side. He had been over in the land of the Gentiles. Talk about, from a Jewish perspective, what it meant to be unclean. And then, take it even further, there there, he would encounter a possessed man and cast out an army, a legion of demons. And to represent even further that uncleanness, they were cast into a herd of pigs in Gentile land. But when he gets to the other side where we encounter the text today, the uncleanliness continues. That ceremonial uncleanliness that would separate people from one another and from God in this time with God's people. A woman with chronic bleeding, 12 Years, which would most certainly not only cause her to suffer, but cause further suffering as she would be separated from the community. And Jesus allows her to touch him. And then he takes it a step further later in the text, when not only that does he allow one who is unclean to touch him, but he will touch intentionally, a dead body. He takes it all upon himself. Like he did a few weeks ago when we were uh, talking about his baptism, he takes on the sin of the world. And we discover, as scholars will point out, that no longer now is the temple the place for healing or being made clean, but now Jesus himself is the location for that healing. And that healing will happen in the human heart. For he, as we read in this text, has authority over the earth and authority over evil, authority over life itself. But he will do this in an upside down kind of way. As we read, Jairus comes to him asking him to make his daughter well. That word in Greek is sozo. It means to be well or to save. And as he comes to him, yes, by faith, but also 
even more so, but in great need. This, the ruler of the synagogue, now we get a picture of a person different than what we've seen, a leader in the Jewish community, probably the president of the synagogue, coming to Jesus for help and in great need. And in the midst of that, Jesus begins to head to Jairus' home to heal his daughter with a near-death fever. So the crowd begins to follow him. They want to see another healing. And then as the ambulance, so to speak, is heading its way to Jairus' house to bring the healing... Everything comes to a stop when a woman with a chronic disease touches him and then there's this really human experience where Jesus says, who who touched me? I felt my power leave me. One scholar wonders aloud, why would we see the weakness of Jesus not knowing who received his power proceed and include a great healing. We see both Christ as human and as fully God here. For as she touched him, hoping just to touch as she did the fringe of his robe and then kind of escape into uh, anonymity, immediately the scripture tells us that something important is going on, that the chronic Health problem was healed, but Jesus was not done bringing healing to this woman. And all things stopped. Now, you got to wonder if you're Dryas and the father of your sick daughter, why would you stop? This is an emergency. Why are we being delayed? And so we discover that Jesus is about to do something great. Well, let's pause for a moment and remember this. That these great miracles of Jesus, the casting out of demons, the healing of this woman, and what we're about to see even greater than that in this little girl. Maybe you might be wondering, these are just too fantastic. Maybe you're wondering... Is it even possible? Is it real or are these just stories? What we discover in history from sources outside the Bible like Josephus, a first century historian for the, the Romans. He was Jewish, but serving Rome and writing down history. Some of his history, we wonder if the church uh, added information to, but we've sorted through it carefully and can tell his own words like these who noticed that the church wrought surprising feats. Now, Josephus wasn't a believer, so that's about as far as one might report about the news of Jesus bringing about these amazing miracles. But what we find here is that it is being reported. It was known throughout the region. No wonder there were crowds surrounding him. But maybe that 
doesn't answer all of your questions. And the good news is, as we come to this text today, God is not afraid of your questions. This is the place to ask questions and to discover and to find from unbelief to faith because God can handle the weight of your questions today. Just like he could handle the weight and wondering of Jairus who wondered why Jesus would stop. But Jesus, knowing that what we can tell from reading the text, that there was an important moment here for this woman's life, that she could be restored not only bodily, but be made clean and restored by his grace and into community. And so he calls her out of her anonymity and has this conversation. And interesting, the one and only time in all of Scripture that Jesus uh, calls someone directly daughter with this intimate invitation into restoration. But you've got to think, Darius and even the disciples must be wondering, what are you doing, Jesus? This, if it were a medical practice, would probably be called malpractice. After all, Jesus stops to take care of a chronic need where there is an acute need waiting for him down the road. What are you doing? And yet, don't we sometimes ask Jesus the same question? Why the delay? Why aren't you bringing this healing sooner? My prayer, Lord Jesus, makes so much sense. And we discover as that terrible news of Jairus' daughter being found dead comes to them. There must be some things that we don't understand. And what Jesus is about to show us is there are promises waiting for us that we may not yet see. And that God's delay doesn't mean his promise will not be kept. In our own family's life, in much of the previous year, we spent praying for the healing of my mother and her battle with cancer. And when she finally entered life eternal, then we prepare now for her funeral in a few weeks. You know, after she passed away, we realized quickly that our prayers, in fact, for healing were answered. Just not in our timing. And though we wonder why God didn't heal her on this side of heaven, we know she has now been fully restored. C.S. Lewis writes that one day everything sad will be undone. The promise that God has, we may not always see now. And he's not afraid when we have questions like, why? Or what are you doing, God? We see that in the book of Job as God patiently allows for Job's questions and receives them with kindness and love. And maybe you're sitting here today with some of those same type of heart cries before God. And he says to you, and he says to me, 
what he says to Jairus. Even though we don't understand, he says, fear not. You can follow me. You can trust me. And he backs it up. He backs it up with a promise. And we see that now firsthand in this testimony. And so as Jesus arrives at Jairus' house, the whalers are already there grieving. But he enters the room. And he does something amazing, unexpected with this unclean dead body. He reaches and grabs the hand of this little girl and he says to her, Talitha, Kumi. And as he shares these powerful words, Talitha Kumi, which really are a term of endearment, we might translate it in English today, honey, or dear, or sweetie, or buddy, or in so many ways. And he says so gently and so powerfully with so much authority, it's time to get up. It's time to rise. Now we know that from Matthew and Luke's gospel that her spirit had left her, so this was no just mere sleep. But for God, death is just a word away. My little one, my honey, my sweet, just arise. And that word, that call to be saved, to be well, that sozo, that request that Jairus had made of Jesus has now been answered. But Jesus now imbues that word with meaning, theological and physical. And he calls her to arise. He takes it on himself. He takes on the uncleanliness. He takes on the sin on the cross he bears. And one day he will go to a tomb. And we will hear those same words arise. So that we too can be saved. One author put it like this. That he was basically good Fridaying her. And, re- and giving the word of resurrection to arise. And so we remember this morning, you and I, that Jesus says to us right here in the gospel, honey, sweetie, daughter, son, rise. When we come to this table and hear these words, this is my body broken for you, he says, rise. This is my blood shed for you, he says, arise. Lutakumi, make us clean. And he does with his own body. He takes it on. And so it's time for us to come. It's time for us to rise. It's time for us to receive this gift. Even in the midst of all our questions and wonderings that he has prepared to bring to you and to me. Amen.